Today, you are going to be hearing a sermon from one of our ministers here on staff. We hope this word blesses you, and remember that we love and appreciate your time here. Now, let's hear what the Lord has for you today. got the privilege of ministering the word uh, this morning. Amen. And and, and I mean, no, whenever you share the word, it's a privilege. Amen. Because I understand it's not me because I I can't do anything. Amen. But it's the Lord. Amen. uh, As we allow him to flow through us. Amen. So so I'm just grateful. Amen. uh, To minister tonight. But if you're taking notes, I titled this, Why is this happening to me? Has anybody ever said that before? Like, like you're going forward and everything seems to be great. And then all of a sudden something comes in. You're like, why? God, why, why is this happening to me? So the scripture I'm going to use is Genesis 25, verse 21 through 23, uh, the NLT. Verse 21 says, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. The Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. Verse 22, but the two children, Esau and Jacob, struggled with each other in her womb. So she went to the Lord about it, and she asked, why is this happening to me? And the Lord told her, the sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger son. Let's pray. Father, we're careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. Father, I pray I step aside, my God, and you flow through me this night, my God, to minister your word, strengthen my body, Father. Lord, I pray that our heart would be good soil, that your word go out and land on, Father. And we pray even those watching on our live stream, God, that the same spirit that is here is there also, my God, and speak to us and encourage us and challenge us tonight, Father, and we're careful to give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise, and everyone said amen and amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him, pay attention, because he's going to talk about you. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, amen. (laughs) Now, when we look at the word struggle, the first definition of struggle is make forceful or violent efforts to get free of restraint or constriction. It's almost like when we get saved, we struggle to get rid of the old man. How many could say amen? And now learning to walk in the new man. Now, the second definition is to contend with an adversary or opposing force. Now, how many know that now that we get saved, the the adversary is going to try to keep us functioning in the flesh. He does not want us to function in the spirit because when we function in the spirit, then we fulfill the destiny and the call that God has for our lives. Now, the word purpose, the definition, is the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. And how many know that God created you with a purpose? If you don't know that, now you know that, amen. God created you with a purpose. I'm here to let you know God will be with us in every situation to give us the strength to make it through. How many could say amen? See, the life of Jacob is about a person who struggled and wrestled throughout his life. 
And we can identify with this because throughout life we struggle. We struggle to surrender. And then when we do surrender, we wrestle with God. Well, that's enough. And God says, no, I, I want more from your life. So we could identify with this. And from the very beginning, Jacob was born and struggled. In Genesis 25, verse 26, it said, Jacob was born grasping Esau's heel. So from birth, he was wrestling and struggling and fighting, amen. And, and so this evening, we're going to look at Isaac, Rebekah, Esau, and most importantly, Jacob. How many know we could all identify, like I said, with Jacob? How many know what it is to struggle? And I'm not talking about a bad hair day. Because some of you, no matter what you do, it's going to be all bad. No, I'm just joking. Amen. I'm not talking about clapping off beat. You know, like that's just in your blood, you know. I'm not talking about somebody got you upset now that you have a bad day. I'm not saying, oh, you had to pay your tithes and now you're mad. Uh, I'm not saying, okay, your spouse burnt the dinner. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about a real struggle. Because a lot of believers, they struggle in silence. We come to church every day and, and we're here and we're afraid to admit that we struggle. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's okay to struggle. I mean, sometimes we don't understand that. But, but with believers in silence, they show up. Let me, let, let me give you an example. Physically, when somebody is hurt, they put a cast on them, right? So if somebody walks in with a broken leg, they're walking with crutches. Physically, you see that, okay, they're in pain. They're struggling. But how many know spiritually, it's not visible at first? I wonder how many are here tonight, how many are watching in our live stream, and spiritually, you're struggling, amen, and you're asking God, why is this happening to me? But on the outside, you look good. That's what we're going to talk about tonight. Some struggle with the question, God, can you really do what your word says? Can you really heal my body? Can you really give me a financial breakthrough? Can you really give me a purpose? Can you really change my life? As long as we have our flesh, we're going to have that battle with doubt. As long as this flesh is here, we're going to battle, amen? Some may be in a current situation where you're fighting something. You're, you're wrestling with something. Maybe a situation at work, you're there and, and you don't like going to work because every time you go to work, you're like, oh, I don't want to be here. But you have to work. That's where God is shaping you and God is molding you and God is dealing with your attitude. You can't just say, I quit. That's why you got 20 jobs on your resume, only six months each job. Let's move on. Some of you are mad-dogging me already. Maybe you're fighting or wrestling with the situation at home. Maybe your children. Maybe your spouse. You come to church, you look happy, but as soon as you get in the car and you go home, all you do is argue. Maybe a situation in your spiritual life. Where you're trying to get a breakthrough, but the breakthrough hasn't came. And so you're struggling. You're asking God, why is this happening to me? Maybe it's a situation at your school. You're there and you're like, man, I, I want to serve God, but all these things that surround me. Maybe it's a situation at church. Somebody got you mad. So now you want to leave. That's not a loving church. 
So now I'm going to go find another church. But this is already like the eighth church you've been to. So just plant yourself and see what God will do when, when a person plants themselves. Or, or maybe you're on the verge of giving up. You've been hurt so bad you can't move forward. You're stuck in the past in your pain. And, and God is saying, you need to surrender that to me so I can bring healing. But you don't want to surrender it to him. And now you blame God. Maybe it's a decision you must make about your future. And you're saying, why is this happening to me? See, at some point or another, you're either struggling with something now, you're either getting out of the struggle, or you're walking into the struggle. Everybody here fits one of those categories. You're struggling with something now, you're coming out of the struggle, or you're just walking into one. See, Jacob's story has a lot to teach us. In, in Genesis 25, verse 21 through 23, what we read, it said, Isaac pleaded with the Lord on his behalf because she was unable to have children. Now, if you just read that, you, you miss the whole purpose. You miss the whole point of the story. Uh, let me lay a foundation here. Rebecca, for 20 years, was shamefully barren. 20 years, because back here in the culture for women to be childless in the culture was to be incapable of performing their primary function, which is to bear children. That way they can carry on the inheritance. So for 20 years, shamefully barren. So, so much where her husband went before the Lord and, and prayed for her. Now, let me... Turn this spiritually. Let me give you some free 99. When we are barren, meaning no vision, no hope, we too are incapable of performing our primary function, which is reaching others. When we don't have vision, we're barren. When we don't have hope, we're barren. And we're in, incapable of going out and, and ministering to others and helping others. In verse 22, it says, but the two children struggle with each other. She said, why is this happening to me? Rebecca is struggling. How many know it's good to ask the Lord when you struggle, right? In fact, don't hesitate to ask the Lord. Don't post it on fake book. Notice I said fake book, right? On Instagram. I always laugh because you look at pictures and they use all these different filters. And then you see them in person and it don't even look like them. That's why I call it fake book. Right? Who's that? Wow. Then, oh, whoa, what happened? <laughs> Let's move on. Amen. But don't post it on Facebook. Then get all mad when people start commenting on it. Well, you need to do this. Well, if you were, and then you get mad. Well, it's none of your business. You made it everybody's business when you posted it. And now you get mad. But verse 23, it says, And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. See, this was what the purpose of God putting her through the struggle. And the Lord told her the purpose of it. And the Lord told her the two sons in your womb will become two nations. And he says, From the very beginning, two nations will be rivals. Two battles taking place here. That's the struggle. I want to give three observations about struggle. Number one, struggle can be a divine setup. 
How many of you know that? God will allow us to go through struggles because it's a divine setup. He's trying to teach us something new. But a lot of times we don't want the new. We're comfortable in the old. So when God puts us in a place, we either tap out, we give up, or we stay there and say, I'm not going to change. It's not for me. Struggle can be a divine setup. But if we're going to be real with ourselves, we have to admit sometimes we create our own problems. And then we want to say, God, I don't know why you put me through here. God didn't put you through there. You put yourself there when you went out and did those bad things. You put yourself there when you make bad choices. When we hold on to things, the Lord says, let go. We put ourselves there in the struggle. And then we want to ask God why we're going through that. When you don't listen to godly advice. You go to your leaders, you go to your pastor, and they say, hey, cut that person loose. They're no good for you. Oh, but you don't understand. You know, like, like now all of a sudden you know more. When your pastor has seen this over and over and over and over. Oh, no, but you don't understand. She's beautiful. Oh, look at he's He's fine. Right? You never got nobody like that in the world. It's a setup. Oh, some of you don't want to look at me now, huh? <laughs> How many know we create consequences in our life and, and that create very difficult circumstances? And sometimes we are the ones creating our own struggles. Let me give you a couple of examples. Wrong relationships. Oh, no, but I'm going to get them saved. No, you're not. You're not. Every time you know it's wrong, because every time you get around them, you, you, you get in the flesh. Well, I got quiet, huh? See, the enemy doesn't want you to reach your destiny. And it's like, okay, I let go of that relationship, but then you went into another abusive relationship. And, and God doesn't want that. God wants to bring healing in your life first. That way when he puts you together with somebody, both of you are healed and you're not going to do damage to each other. But you don't understand that, so you go from one bad relationship to another bad one. What about money? I don't have enough money to pay my tithes or my bills. God, I can't tithe. And that's not being real. The, the, the being real is you spent it all, all on eating out. <laughs> you had money, but you were hungry. And then you pray for breakthrough. God, this is, oh, you went out, oh, I don't care, I'm hungry. Give me in the more, give me this, give me that. Then you got a big old bill. Now you tapped into the seed that God gave you to sow to the house. And now you're praying for a financial breakthrough. And, God, and then you get mad when God doesn't do it because we're not responsible with what he already gave us. We need to learn how to be responsible and make the right choice. You need to learn how to budget. Take the T off a of budget, and what's that mean? Budge. Don't budge. When you got a budget, don't budge. That's for your ties. Don't, don't mess it up with food. You ate so much, you got sick anyways. What about having a twisted mind in church or a crooked mind? Because sometimes we come in church, we get saved, we don't deal with areas in our life, so we grow crooked. And when we grow crooked, we see everybody as crooked. 
And, and back in, in a physical body, when you break an arm, you break a leg, you break something, if you don't go to the doctors for them to set it straight, it grows crooked. And then they say when, they, when you go back to the doctor because it's crooked, they have to re-break it. And they say it's more painful to have it rebroken and set right again. But a lot of times we come to church and we lift up our hands and God is doing a work. But we don't want to renew our mindset so we stay twisted in our mind. You think everybody has an angle. So you don't trust anyone. Your motives are wrong. You only come to church to hook up. Hello, somebody. That's why you're always struggling. But sometimes the struggle is because God is trying to do something new in you. Something he has never done before. If you're taking notes, write this down. The purposes of God's kingdom were inside of Rebecca and she didn't even know it. God had nations inside of her, but Rebecca didn't even know it. God told Rebecca, you're pregnant with twins, and they represent nations. She was carrying nations inside of her. Just like us here in Living Word, La Mirada, amen, from this church, nations are being reached, but there's still more to reach. We still need men. We still need women. We still need young people, couples, to say, here I am, send me. Some of you may be in a current struggle, and it's God trying to birth something new inside of you. That's why you've been going through the struggle. God is trying to birth nations inside of you. But how many know to do that, you have to go through the struggle to birth it? And a lot of people don't want to go through the struggle. A lot of people don't want to pay the price. See, you're carrying something inside of you that can change your life. Not only change your life, change the people around you. Not only change the people around you, it can change your city. Not only can it change the city, it could change the nations. Not only can it change the nations, it can change the world. Amen. Tell your neighbor you're carrying something inside of you that can change our world. And tell them like you mean it. Tell them you're carrying something inside you. Look at your neighbor. Don't be afraid. Tell them you're carrying something inside of you that can change the nations. So don't give up in the struggle. I mean, no, it's hard. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. Takes real men. Takes real women. Takes real uh, young people that love the Lord to say, God, I'm going to stick it out. See, sometimes when God is preparing us for a new season, you're going to be in a current situation that's going to cause you to struggle. God was doing more in Rebecca than she realized. And so if you're struggling right now, you need to ask yourself, what is the source of my struggle? Is it me? Because you keep making wrong choices. You're stubborn. You don't want to change. Or is it God? God says, you've been here too long. Now it's time for you to go to another level. So in the process of that struggle, amen, it's a divine setup. It's in the process that produces something in us. Let me give you an example. When, when my kids were small, they're big now, they're married and everything, like six feet. But when they were like, you know, no, I should go right here. I would wrestle with them, pin them down like, yeah, you know, and <laughs> boom. Then my wife would tell me, hey, take it easy on them. You're going to hurt them. Then as they got older in high school, I would wrestle with them. They pin me down. Then my wife told my kids, hey, take it easy on your dad. You're going to hurt them. <laughs> what happened? 
in the process of the struggle, they became stronger. So as we continue to go forward in the struggle, we become stronger ourselves. Some of you are wrestling, or maybe you're struggling. You need to understand God is trying to birth something in you. You can't run every time you don't like what's going on. Too many of us, when we don't like the change, we want to run. And we want to go somewhere else. Thinking that it's going to go away. How many know it's not going to go away? When God builds us, he builds us. And God says you can't go to the next level unless you graduate this level. Isn't that the way school works? Right? Kindergarten, preschool, kindergarten. You got to graduate, go to first grade. Right? Or unless some of you, you were in high school all your year, senior year, and then you were like 28, so they just graduated you because you were too old. <laughs> but most likely you go and you do good. You pass, you know, everything they give you. You go to another level. And so we have to understand that God is preparing you for your next season. Rebecca, she struggled, she talked to God, and God told her, uh, your struggle is real, but it's from heaven. I planted nations inside of you. And when we understand that, it's going to be easy for us to submit. The name Jacob means deceiver. Deceiver means trickster. In Genesis 27, it talks about Isaac blessing Jacob instead of Esau. Uh, uh, receiving a blessing from one's father was a, a high honor. And, and, and when you came up next, because the oldest one got the blessings, then when your, your father spoke blessings on you, uh, the blessing was irrevocable. He would speak the blessings of your inheritance and what you were going to receive. And once he blessed you, he couldn't take it back. It's just like our Heavenly Father's blesses our life in Romans eleven twenty nine. It says, for God's gift and his call are irrevocable. That means he called you. He chose you for a specific task, and he's not going to take it back. It doesn't matter how many tantrums you have. He's not going to take it back. Because sometimes we get like a baby. We have tantrums. No, I'm not. You know, you know how babies in the store and Target or the market, you see them, and they're crying. And sometimes you're like, man, where's the parent? Just go ahead and hit them, you know. <laughs> Or is that just me? Amen. <laughs> so in Genesis 27, I'm going to paraphrase it, 1 through 17, Isaac, in his final days of Scripture, says his eyes were growing dim. And, 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 and he was going to die any day, so he tells his son Esau, I want to get your hunting gear, go out and bring a sacrifice to me. But his mom heard, Rebecca heard, so she tells Jacob, which was her favorite, go and prepare a meal and bring it before your dad. And, and so the mom was teaching him how to be deceiving. How I many know, parents, we got to be careful on what we teach our kids. Can't teach them all these little deceiving ways. Amen? So, so the mom, they put fur on his hands because his brother was hairy, and she does all that, you know. And, and, the, and, and so he goes before the dad. But Rebecca knew about the prophecy, but she took it about herself. She, she was trying to help God. How many of us at one time or another try to help God, right? God, I've been waiting too long already. I prayed for this, and it's been 10 minutes. You're not coming through. I, I got to help you, God. Sometimes we just got to wait. Isaac is about 135 years old, bedridden and nearly blind. 
And in Genesis 27, 18 through 24, it says, So he went to his father and said, My father, and he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Verse 19, And Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. That's his first lie. He goes, I've done what you told me to do. Now sit up and eat of my game so that you may proceed to bless me. Verse 20, And Isaac said to his son, How is it that you have found the game so quickly, my son? And he said, Because the Lord your God caused it to come to me. Second lie. You see how he's changing? He's, dis- he's here and he's lying and he's there. Oh, the Lord brought it to me. How many of us lie like that? How many single people lie like that? Oh, I was praying and that Lord brought them. Don't be lying. <laughs> Let's go on. And then it goes on and it says, But Isaac said to Jacob, Come close to me, I beg of you. But, but, but look at what it says, That I may fill you. And then he says, Uh, uh, my son, and know whether you are really my son Esau or not. Verse 22. So Jacob went near Isaac, and his father felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He could not identify him because his hands were hairy like his brother's Esau's hands. So he blessed him. That's the only time you get a blessing in the Bible with hairy hands. Amen. Let's go on. <laughs> Verse 24. But he said, Are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am the third lie. So here, here's Jacob. He's going and he's stealing the blessing through a lie. How many of us try to work the blessings ourselves? You know, you, you work a blessing. They call your brother work a blessing. Sister, work a blessing. You know, people are loving. People are helping. So you go tell them a, a sad story for they could bless you. Let me give you free 99. How many know that if you lie once, it's going to take another lie to cover that up? And your lie will always return and multiply when it gets back to you. So the, the first observation is that if you're going through the struggle, it may be a divine setup. The second one is you can't always count on your feelings. You cannot always count on your feelings. What did Isaac do to confirm that it was really his son Esau? He says, come here that I may fill you. And then in verse 22, and Jacob went near and his father felt him and said, man, you're the voice of your brother, but your hands are of Esau. He could not identify him. It says, so he blessed him. But then after he blessed him, he says, is it, is it really you? He went by his feelings. How many know that our feelings, if we always go by our feelings, it's always going to get us in trouble. I mean, because our feelings get hurt. That's why I always tell people, hey, when you get in ministry, don't put your feelings in there. Because your feelings will fool you. Your feelings will trick you. He said, it sounds like Jacob, but it feels like Esau. Something wasn't right, but he checked with his feelings. How many know when you're struggling, your feelings are going to talk to you? You're going through changes. You're, you're struggling. The enemy's hitting you, and you don't know what to do. You come to church, and, and they ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing great. But then you're all mad when the message goes on. They don't even care about me. Your feelings start lying to you. That's right, they don't. They care about everybody else, but not you. That's your feelings. How many know that your feelings will always have something to say? You, when when you're, you're struggling, your feelings are amplified. Right? You come to church. You're struggling. And then, oh, pastor didn't smile at me. He didn't see you. But your feelings are amplified. 
Oh, look at everybody was looking at me. They're, they're thinking bad about me. No, that's your feelings. They, they ain't thinking bad about you. They just looked your way. But all of a sudden, because you have a complex, all of a sudden your, your feelings are amplified. How many know the enemy wants to turn up the volume on your feelings so that, that's all we think about and that's all we talk about? Oh, man, look, at they don't care about me. Oh, man, look, at nobody told me hi. So that's all you talk about. He's amplifying your feelings. How many of us have learned that if you only live by your feelings, you're going to get in trouble? Because sometimes we live based on how we feel. If you feel like giving, you give. If you feel like serving, you serve. If you feel like loving, you love. If you feel like getting along with others, guess what? You get along with others. And if you listen, uh, people will talk more about how they feel than anything else. Listen to people when they talk. They're going to be talking more about how they feel. We can't just go by feelings because some days you just don't feel like being nice. Oh. <gasps> He said that, yes. Not every day I wake up or I'm going to be nice to everybody. Some days I wake up like a bear. It ain't nobody getting in my way, man, because, you know, man, you know. I know I'm not the only one. Come on now. Some days you don't feel like reading your Bible. Some days you don't feel like praying. Some days you don't feel like giving. You don't feel like serving. Some days you don't even feel like going to church but you have to preach. <laughs> Some days you just don't feel saved. That's why we can't go by our feelings because our feelings will say, oh, stay home. You don't need to be there. You can't please God with just feelings. Hebrews eleven six. the Bible says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith, not feelings, Faith. There's a difference between faith and feelings. Faith is what you know because God's word says so. That's faith. Feelings is what you think it is as the result of you checking something out and deciding for yourself that it's true. That's feelings. Well, let me observe this. Okay, no, I guess I'll go by my feelings then. Your feelings will mess you up. Your feelings will always get you to reason using logic. You see, with faith, the final authority for truth is, is the word of God, is God's word. That's the final. When God's word says it, then I'm going to believe it. With feelings, you insist on being the final judge of what's truth. Well, no, let me see. Well, let me look at this. Okay, I guess that's okay. No, go to what the Word of God says because the Word of God is truth, not our feelings. Your feelings will tell you to give up. Your feelings will tell you to leave church. Your feelings will tell you God can't use you. Your feelings will tell you nobody will ever love you, only your mama. Amen. Your feelings will tell you you can't handle it anymore. If you're going to live your life based on how you feel, you're going to be in trouble all the time. Because the things you're supposed to do, you don't always feel like doing. And Apostle Paul says that in Romans chapter 7 and verses 18 through 25. So if you're going to take your life and base it on how you feel, you're always going to have problems just like Isaac did. 
going by his feelings. Isaac went by what he felt. He, he gave the blessing to Jacob instead of Esau, and it created a whole bunch of problems. Your feelings will lie to you. Your feelings will deceive you. It is impossible to please God and always live by how you feel. You can't live by how you feel, but look at this, but you can control what you do with those feelings. And that's the key. A lot of us don't know how to control our feelings. So when we get an impulse, what do we do? Because we have no control of our feelings. We go and we yield to our impulse. Because we have no control. When we get angry because we have no control of our feelings, well, tell them off. Some of you even go farther and, and you flip people off on the freeway. Oh, they can't see me. My windows are tinted. God sees you. Sometimes we just have to tell our feelings to shut up and be quiet. When you get home and your feelings are acting up, look in the mirror and say, shut up. For those that are sleeping. See, feelings will locate where you are. Faith will always locate where God's at. And so it started all with Esau. He gave up his birthright. Remember Genesis 25, 29 through 20, 34. It says, one day Esau was so hungry and asked Jacob to give him some stew. And he says, I'll give you some of my stew if you give me my birthright. So Esau said, sure. So Jacob obtained the birthright from Esau. He gave it up. Let me give you a leadership lesson. This shows us, shows us Esau's attitude towards the things of God. He let his flesh control his blessing. He didn't see the call of God as a privilege. After his flesh was full, he became angry. Let me, let me take you Galatians 5, 24 and 26, the Amplified Bible. It says, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the sinful nature, but it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. It says, together with his passions and appetites. Catch this. It says, together with its passions and appetite. A lot of times what we do in the flesh, the passions act up, and then we feed the appetite, and then we say, okay, I, I got breakthrough. No, you don't got breakthrough. You just fed your appetites, and now you're full. And wait three months down the road till your appetite acts up again. That's what Esau did. He let his flesh take control, and then he got mad at his brother. He didn't cherish the call of God that was on his life. He yielded to everything. So that takes us to our third observation. Don't quit. Finish what you started. In Genesis 29, what happened after he tricked his brother, his brother got mad at him, wanted to kill him. Rebecca said, okay, you got the blessings. Go over with your uncle. And so he goes, and goes to where his uncle's at. And when he sees his uncle, he, he sees Rachel. And then he goes, man, he fell in love. So he went and told his uncle, I want to marry your daughter. And he said, okay, work for me for seven years and I'll give her to you. So here comes seven years. And then on the wedding night, he goes and they got married at night. It's dark. He goes. And the Bible says when he woke up, he seen it wasn't, uh, it was, it was, it wasn't Rachel. It was Leah. The Bible said Leah had weird eyes or she was ugly. So, so imagine when he woke up, he woke up, and then all the, whoa, what happened? I mean, no, you reap what you sow. He was a deceiver all his life. Now he's getting paid back. 
And so he goes to them, and, and, and he tells them, hey, you tricked me. You gave me Leah. And he says, no, the culture is you never give your, your, the, the oldest one first. You, I mean, you got to give the youngest one first or, or vice versa. And so he says, okay, well, what do I have to do to get Rachel? He says, work another seven years. Remember, this, this point is don't quit. So what happened after the ceremonies was over from the first wedding? He went and gave them Rachel. The Bible says that he worked for seven years. His word now was good. Now all of a sudden, because God was doing something in his life, there was change that was taking place. Because he could have said, I got her now, let's go. But he says, no, God is doing something in my life now. Uh, I'm surrendering to God, so now I'm going to be a man of my word. Now I'm going to go forward. And, And so we must finish the things we start. Jacob had been running all his life, all his life. But in Genesis 32, 22 through 30, I'm going to close with this. It says, he rose up that same night and took everything he had and passed over to the Jabbok, verse 23. And he took them and sent them across the brook. And Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until daybreak. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And Jacob's thigh was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Verse 26. Then he says, let me go for day is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you declare a blessing upon me. Verse 27. The man asked him, what is your name? And in shock of realization, whispering, he said, Jacob, the surplanner, the schemer, the trickster, the swindler. Verse 28. And he said, your name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For you have contended and have power with God and with men and have prevailed. Verse 29, then Jacob asked him, tell me, I pray, what's your name? But he said to him, why is that that you ask my name? And the angel of God declared a blessing on Jacob there. And Jacob called the name of the place, Peniel, meaning the face of God. For I have seen God face to face and my life is spared. Finally, God is, uh, Jacob is by himself. You know what that tells me? Sometimes God has to eliminate all the distractions around us. And the reason why you're struggling, he's trying to get you by yourself. Because when he gets you by yourself, then he can deal with us. Instead of man wrestled with him until daybreak. When is the last time you didn't let God go until he blessed you? When is the last time in prayer you were like, God, I'm praying for my children. I'm praying for my marriage. I'm praying, God, for every circumstance. And I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. In verse 28, the man asked him, what is your name? But it said here, he said, Jacob, in shock. And in parentheses, that's what it says, realization, whispering. He said, Jacob, the surplanter, the schemer, the trickster, the swindler. You know what Jacob was saying for the first time? He was being real with God. For the first time in his life, he was being real with God. He was saying, I've been a deceiver my whole life. I've been a conniver. I've been a schemer. I've always done things that benefit me. Now he's there and he's saying, my name is Jacob. I'm tired of struggling. I'm tired of being, trying to be someone else. He says, God, this is the real me. I'm all messed up. Use me if you can use me. Verse 28, he says, your name will no longer be Jacob, but from now on you'll be called Israel. The word Israel, it means God prevails. It means God wins. 
So God was coming here, and he was saying, okay, now, now I'm in control of your life because you were real. Some of us can't get a breakthrough because we're not being real with God and where we stand. Jacob, for the first time, became real. What's interesting here is how Jacob goes from deceiver to God is winning. So that means one touch from God. He can change us from being the deceiver to God is winning. See, God was bringing Jacob to the end of his life, complete surrender. And God was saying, Jacob, you've been running your whole life. And God was saying, no more deceiving, no more running, no more manipulation. God was saying, I'm giving you a new identity. And how many know it's only the power of God that can change a person's identity? God is saying, you're not the old you no more. You're more than your past. The Bible says that the rest of his life, Jacob walked with a limp. See, God not only changed his name, God changed his walk. Now he walked with the limp. Every time he walked and he would feel the limp, he remembered, you're winning because God is with you. As everyone stands here tonight, God gave him a limp so he would never run again. God was saying, you don't need to run. Uh, I'm with you now. So you may be here tonight. And I want to tell you, keep pressing in. Don't give up. Three simple points. The struggle can be a divine setup. You can't always go by your feelings. And don't quit. So maybe you're here and you don't know the Lord. Maybe you're watching in our live stream. You don't know the Lord. Or maybe you backslid. backslidden. 